Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soul Survivor Podcast. I'm I'm Dylan Bird here, along with my co-hosts Ryan Winthrop and Jordan Heffler, and we are here with our fourth fourth casting draft already. I can't believe we're that far into the off season, but we have an exciting one tonight. So I'm ready to get going. Boys, we got some unfinished business to get to. Let's do it. Good morning, guys. Yeah. So just to talk about what we're doing tonight, we are doing if you've seen on Twitter. And seen on our Instagram. By the way, we just created an Instagram, so be sure to follow us at Soul Survivor Pod. If you've seen, we're doing Survivor Unfinished Business tonight. That basically means loosely best to never win. Um, I'm going to go to Ryan right now to explain the rules. Usually I explain the rules, but we'll hand it over to Ryan this time. Oh my God. My turn in the driver's seat. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> okay. So essentially, when we were coming up with this theme, obviously we did Second Chance, we did Heroes versus Villains. We did third times a charm, but we kind of wanted to go off the grid and do a topic that we don't see a lot. I mean, you, you see legends, you see other types of podcasts, but you don't really hear best to never win. It's just kind of like a question that the fans always debate. And we wanted to do that theme, but I feel like the name best to never win doesn't kind of roll off the tongue. Also, some alum might be offended if they're not considered best to never win. So we decided to, with the helps of the fans, thank you to all the fans who um, gave us ideas on Twitter. But basically, we wanted to title it Unfinished Business. So like Dylan said, this kind of falls into a few different categories. One, obviously, is you know who's someone that's considered the best to never win. But then you have people who came so close, either on their first try, second try, etc. They came so close, but they just missed the mark. Or due to a twist or some kind of thing out of their control, they got a raw deal and they need another shot of redemption. So basically, those are the three criteria that we're going to work off of for this unfinished business draft and like all of our drafts um we're going to try to have not too much overlap so if you've seen somebody once or twice thus far you probably won't see them again for this draft does not mean you won't see them again in the future and the only other criteria that we had was that we're gonna obviously not have any winners because they've already settled their business they got the million dollar check but anyone on here has not won the million yet yeah, and Ryan pretty hit Ryan pretty much hit the nail on the head. You know, in the past previously, uh, in the past uh, drafts previously, we we've kind of just drafted right on the spot, and you know, we didn't really discuss who was on our big boards earlier. But I felt like that this topic tonight, best to never win, we all three of us discussed prior to this podcast who we think should be considered. So we have a list of people that we're going to pick. We're doing twenty contestants this time, not three tribes. We'll just go with an order of Ryan, then me, and then Hef to pick. And you know, we this list that we came up with, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that you know the the names that we came up with are definitely ones that you guys watching would agree with. And we actually have a lot of names uh, under consideration right now, but we are leaving the last spot open to the fans in the comments. So once we get to that twentieth spot. It'll be the fans' turn to pick who will be the last member of the Unfinished Business cast. I'm ready to get going. With the first pick, Ryan, you're up. I am ready. This is a name that I have always loved to talk about and should be on any season of the Survivor ever. Sari Fields. Sari Fields is the best player to never win. I'm going to go on record and say that. I think a lot of people would agree. If you even look at one of the articles that was written right before Winners at War, they asked the 20 people, who would you say the best to never win is? And at least five or six people said Suri, including Parvati and Boston Rob. Suri plays four times, except for Heroes versus Villains, where she gets idled out of the game due to Tom Westman. 
She makes the final six every single time she plays uh, Panama, Game Changers, and uh, Micronesia. And Sari Fields is infamous because she always goes out for something that is not traditional. So she loses fire making at the final four in Panama. Micronesia, she gets screwed because it was going to be a final three, but because of the medevacs and the quit, it became a final two and she lost her chance to be in the, in the final three. And then in Game Changers, we all love to hate Advantage Geddon. Um, basically, if Sari makes it to the end of any of those seasons, Sari Fields wins the game. She is a social half. Okay, we're gonna talk go to you on that in a second. But Sari is a social threat. <laughs> she's always well liked. She is a strategic mastermind. You never see her coming, and she's always a big threat to win. And in Game Changers, she goes out without a single vote cast against her, even at Advantage Geddon. No vote in that urn had her name on it. Sari simply is the best player to never win, and unless we see someone of that caliber, I don't think anyone will pass her. Yeah, I completely agree with you. If there was one person that was definitely going to be on this list, it was going to be Sari. Um, Someone you consider her to be the best to never win, one of the best social players we've ever seen um, in the top six, three out of the four times she played. And I want to give a shout out to Josh Matier. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that last name right on Twitter, who when we asked about what we should title this, he said, quote, Sari and the 19 other people. So, I mean, that pretty much that pretty much sums up how the fans feel about Sari. Um, one of the best, maybe the best to never win ever. So really, really good pick Ryan. And I'll have, you got anything to say about Sari before we move on? Yeah. Ryan, you had me until you said that if she was in any of the final tribal councils, she would have won. You, you think she would have beaten Parvati or, yes. well, she would have beaten Sarah, but I, well, what, cause Sarah didn't play that great of a game. I don't know if she would have beaten Gra Brad Culpepper if the two of them were there, maybe they would have split social votes, but yeah, I don't, I don't think she would have beaten Parvati. She would have beaten Parvati. Sari would have 100% beaten Parvati if it was a final three. And that's why Amanda voted her out at the final three, because every, the jury would have easily handed Sari the money. Why do you yeah, think? I think, I think? I think if Sari gets to the end in any season, she wins solely because she's like that. Everyone loves her. She's that good socially. Like I don't, And again, like I don't think that in specifically in Micronesia, I would not say that poverty played to a level that was that much better than her, where she, like, you could easily say she would have beat her. Like, I, I don't think that that's true at all. Like I felt like it was most of that Alliance of four um, doing like all, like they were together, Black Widow Brigade. They were doing a, a lot of the damage together. And I just feel like that maybe Suri would have been the most likable person to get there um, if she was sitting there. So I think that she definitely beats poverty. Well, not definitely, but I think it's a decent chance. Okay. Yeah. I mean, obviously we'll never know, but I, I think it's, there's definitely a decent possibility, but now to my pick. So we have Sari off the list and I'm going to go with another personal favorite of ours. He had us on his podcast to do the ultimate survivor bracket, Russell Hans. I think, you know, Russell, he, you know, if Sari, if Sari is the best female to never win, then I think that Russell has the case for best male to never win. I know a lot of people criticize him for his social game, which is definitely not great, which was definitely not great. But I mean, Russell is possibly, possibly the best strategist or at least one of them we've ever seen on survivor. He completely changed the game. Um, a lot of people say that, you know, when you break up old school, and new school, a lot of people just say seasons one to 20 and then 21 to 40. 
I think that there's a case that new school started when Russell Hans entered the survivor realm in season 19. I mean, he just did so many things that were unprecedented, whether it was finding idols without clues. Um, you know, he was down in Samoa. He was down eight, four at the merge and managed to get all the way to the end. I know he didn't win that season, but then comes on to heroes villains with a star studded cast and manages to get to the end once again. Um, so I do think that Russell is one of the best to never win and deserves to be on an unfinished business season. Yeah. If we're talking about the best to never win, I mean, Russell definitely outperforms Natalie white in season 19, in my opinion, blew Sandra out of the water in season 20. I'm curious if you guys, I'm curious what you guys think. Do you think that if he played in season 35, let's say that, he would have won that the jury would have respected his style of gameplay that he was a little, a little too ahead of his, his time. Well, I mean, what are the factors? Are you saying basically like he played with the cast of Samoa in season 35 time, or he played like he with played the cast with of 35? The, the big thing is what new he's playing with a new age survivor people. He's playing with people that have watched 35 seasons of survivor and they have seen the new style of gameplay. Do you think that they would have respected his cutthroat style of strategy? Well, again, it comes down to, I think it's a good question, Hef. It comes down to, you know, who he's there with. Again, if he's playing with the people he played with in Samoa, but they start their season in season 35 in like 2016 or 2017, I mean, those people still probably are bitter at Russell because those are the people that you play with. If Russell enters season 35 with the season 35 cast, like Ben, Chrissy, Joe, Dr. Mike, like those people, maybe there's a chance Russell could do well there, but it really comes down to the people that you're with. And if Russell's, as we mentioned, Russell is a great strategist, great villain, but if his biggest flaw is a social game, unless you have a cast that will always respect the game first and doesn't put, you know, the emotions and feelings into it, then he can't ever win. Like that's going to be the key of who he's playing with. I think, I think that, yeah, I think, um, if Russell is playing, if Russell, let's say, had started his his journey in, in Survivor in season, let's say, 29 or whatever, um, and he was with a completely new school jury, I think it's very possible that – I think it's very possible he wins, especially, the, especially Samoa. Like, if he plays a game like he did in Samoa, then I think he definitely wins or, or has at least has a good chance. But, you know, in the end, the jury is the one – that's voting for you to win. So the jury is not going to reward somebody that they hate with the million dollars, no matter how good of a game they played um, to a, to a point, most mo- majority of the time. And you, you even saw that relationships play such a big role when Jeremy voted for Natalie to win um, winners at war, like for example, or Tyson voted for Natalie to win winners at war. And they explained that the reason why is because they just didn't really know Tony and well, well, at least Tyson, Tyson didn't really know Tony that well. Jeremy was very close to Tony, but Natalie is like a sister to him. So that's who he was voting for to win the game. So I think at the end of the day, relationships do play a huge factor, but I do think he would have had a lot better of a chance had he entered Survivor in the new school era. Okay. Yeah. I agree with that. It makes right. sense. I buy that. Yeah, it's like, you know, you're in the, in the end of the day, if you truly hate somebody, you're not going to reward them a million dollars over, let's say one of your very good friends. But like, and I, and that's, that's just majority of people, majority of what's going to happen. Like that's going to happen majority of the time. But I do think he would have had a lot better chance because people would have seen it as a game and not necessarily as real life and the game, like kind of intersecting, if, if that makes sense. Sure. All right, Hef, your pick. Before I pick, 
What are the chances I can make this into a snake draft and I got two picks in a row? We'll, we'll give it to you. Thank you. So my first my first round pick has to be Kelly Wentworth. No lead up necessary. I think I'm the biggest Kelly Wentworth advocate on the internet. I think that she is – I think that hands down she's the best to never win. Better than Russell, better than Sari because, I mean, we're talking, we're talking if she is able to catch a ball – and a final four immunity challenge, she maybe plays the best season ever. So Kelly Wentworth, hands down, I think no explanation further necessary. Best to never win, in my opinion. So yeah, so Kelly Wentworth off the board, uh, former guest on the podcast. Uh, we're obviously huge fans, and I do think that, you know, obviously if she if she wins that final immunity challenge in Cambodia – she could have possibly, you know, she obviously would have voted Jeremy out, uh, probably wins the game easily and could be seen as having one of the best seasons on Survivor ever. So I think that for season 31, especially was such a great season. So the gameplay was such next level, especially for that time. It kind of like evolved that season kind of evolved Survivor. Um, so I think that if she if she does win that season, she probably plays one of the best winning games in my opinion. So even though she was, she was playing from the bottom, but just the way that she used the idols per- perfectly, her social game was good enough where she was able to stay in the game despite being on the bottom. I think she plays one of the best games, best winners games if she does win. So good pick. I, you know, she's on the list for a reason. She was always going to be in this cast. All right. My second one. Well, I mean, yeah. you, you guys know that it's not going to be, one of my drafts, but I don't, if I don't draft the challenge piece pretty early, right? <laughs> so give me Ozzy. Ozzy is, in my opinion, the second biggest challenge beast ever behind Joe. But Ozzy, I think, in a way, has been more impressive. We saw him dominate on Redemption Island in his season. He is the best swimmer in Survivor history, including being able to fish, and that's part of the that's part of the game. Ozzy has always been entertaining for me i love a good challenge beast i love a guy that can just take over an individual immunities and for that reason i think he absolutely belongs on my tribe i have a quick question actually why do you think ozzy's the second best after joe i feel like ozzy would be the best before joe like in terms of challenge beast so the reason i say that is because i think that joe was more dominant in group challenges i think that he was a more valuable asset to his team in terms of the physicality of everything ozzy is the best swimmer never seen a guy dive like that dive in the water like that before in my life but joe i think was a bigger contributor to getting his tribe to the merge i i saw that ozzy lose a few challenges joe lost far fewer so i i have one i have i half agree half disagree i, I agree that i think joe is better with the team challenges because joe is a much better puzzle master than Ozzy. Joe has a very visual eye. He's a jewelry designer. So Joe basically has an eye for the puzzles and how things go together. So I agree with you that he does a better job at the tribal part of the game. But if you just look at the number of times they both played, and even if you take one of Ozzy's four times playing compared to Joe's three and you just shave one off, Ozzy still wins, I think percentage wise, more challenges that he competes in. He either gets voted out early at the merge or he goes very far in the game. So he wins naturally more challenges. So I would say Ozzy's better than Joe in challenges, but I think Joe has that puzzle element to him. Yeah. I, I mean, Ozzy was 
you know, another guy that was a shoe in for this cast. Um, and I think it's, you know, his, his journey is pretty crazy when you think about it, like that stereotypical challenge beast. Like you always think of Ozzy like that, that is Ozzy. Um, and you know, it was, you know, the last time we saw him in game changers, uh, you kind of didn't see too much of him just because he's not exactly that next level strategist that, um, I guess, I guess game changer, the edit was focusing on. Um, but you know, as always, he was a challenge beast and, you know, people forget, but season 20, season 23, South Pacific, he spent a ton of time on Redemption Island, but had he beat Sophie in that final immunity challenge, then he ends up probably winning the game. So, yeah. yeah so, I mean, Ozzy, one of the best to never win easily. So good pick half. I knew you had to, you had to get your challenge wow. in there. That's why I wanted to take it. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. So, as as Hef declared, this is officially a snake draft. So now it is my pick. And with the next pick of the Soul Survivor podcast casting draft, unfinished business, I am going to select. I'm going to go with Dom. So Dominic Abate, uh, the player to you could say come closest to winning with without actually um winning considering he's the only player ever to tie along with Wendell uh in the final tribal council tied ends up losing the tiebreaker because Laurel votes for Wendell instead um I think that there are a lot of people who think that Dom play a better game than Wendell in Ghost Island I'm one of those people um he was just he's outstanding he's a great character um the perfect new school player in my opinion and you know we had him on a podcast uh, to talk about winners at war back in, I believe it was the beginning of March and just every single question we asked him, he spoke for like five minutes about everything. He's just so intellectual about survivor. He knows everything. And, you know, I was listening to a podcast earlier when winners at war were, were, was going on and it was the whole discussion about Adam finding Adam finding the, or thinking that the Florida Lee was an immunity idol. And I believe it was, it was on survivor specialist, their podcast. And they were, the discussion was, how many people in survivor history other than Adam would have potentially thought that the Fleur de Lee was an idol. And they said that they think that Dom may have, may have done the same thing as Adam. Like they think that he's that observant. They think he's like that, that, that that's his, that's a style of game. He's just, he's so interesting. Confessionals are great. Great player. Definitely deserves to be on the season is one of the best to ever win. And I'm sure we'll see him back. Oh yeah. I mean, when you basically, come as close as you can to the million without winning, which is tying at the final tribal council and losing in a tie break. You can't come any closer than that. That fits the bill of unfinished business where if you had that one extra vote, you would have won the game. So I think we'll definitely see Dom again. I think it's a great uh, selection for this uh, cast. And uh, yeah, you said you summed it all perfectly. Great new school player, great character, great strategist has everything. For sure. I know one of, I know, have a huge fan of Dom as well. I wanted him. <laughs> All right. Next pick, Ryan. Oh, I got two. I forgot. Yeah, snake draft. Changing the rules on the fly. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'll take a male and a female just to keep the numbers consistently even. Um, all right. So I'm going to go uh, going with basically the Micronesia theme on the Mana Tribe. I'll take Amanda Kimmel. Uh, I don't know how, how uh, like, I guess fair these teams would be i don't know if serene ozzy want to be on the same tribe for three uh seasons but um no i think amanda as 
a lot of people say is in the older school of Survivor, one of the best to never win, for sure. Russell on the podcast when we were with him always talks about how um, you know, he was threatened by Amanda. Like Amanda was a really great player. He knew she was kind of running the ship on that side of the heroes tribe. Amanda basically was, you know, one of the first, I think, if not the first to play two back-to-back seasons to make it to the end twice, never voted out, but then gets voted out in heroes versus villains. Um, she, I mean, basically when you get to the end twice and you're losing finalists twice, I think Jeff actually mentioned this in one of the, the live reunions that got a big laugh from the audience. He asks, he asks her, um, you know, Amanda, you make it to the end a lot, but you just don't win. Like, do you lack that killer instinct? Does that haunt you in life? And everyone was like, wow, wow, Jeff. Um, but no, Amanda, obviously I think she has it all. If you look at like the triple threat of like social, strategic and physical, she has all of it. Um, I think also like an underrated strategist, as we see in these seasons. I mean, her blindside of Alexis at the final six in Micronesia is amazing. Um, but I think Amanda, basically, if a few things go different, I think she could have won one of those seasons. I feel like Todd was always going to win China, so I can't blame her for that. But, you know, Micronesia, she probably could have swayed one or two more votes and she would have had party there. So I think Amanda easily is in the conversation of like the best people to never win. Yeah, for sure. I mean, anytime you get to the end twice in your first two seasons, I mean, impressive. And she's like she's like the old school version of Michelle in that sense. Um, just such a good social player, uh, very underrated, but good strategist, solid physical player. So, yeah, I think Amanda is another person that was a definite shoe-in for this cast all the way. Where does she rank in terms of total days spent on the islands? Do you know? I know she was the first to play 100, 100 days, correct? That happened on Heroes Villains. I could look up the total right now. Yeah, I don't know off the top of my head, but if I had to make my guess while Dylan's looking it up, she got, and this is going to show how crazy I am, she got to 100 days at one of the reward challenges where they were fighting for Outback Steakhouse when it was kind of like the reward where you have to hold yourself up between two pillars. And that was pre-merge, and then she got voted out a few days later. So I'm going to go as she's played 112, Dylan. So she, Amanda ranks eighth on the all-time list of days total played in Survivor. She's played 108. Um, She ranks behind, number one is Boston Rob, number two is Poverty, number three is Ozzy, number four is Sari, number five is Tyson, number six is Aubrey, number seven is Sandra, and number eight is Amanda. So good company there. Yeah, and those numbers got skewed after Winners at War, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of those. I mean, Rob Rob has played the game five times. Uh, Parvati's now got one season on Amanda, and you know, Amanda is one of those people that like we haven't seen her play in ten years. Like, it would be so great to see her come back. You know what I mean? I love a long period of time without seeing somebody, watching them come back, and how they evolve as a player, how they adapt to the new game, would be great to see. And just want to throw out there also, uh, if you're watching, comment people that you should be that you think should be in. At the end, as we said, we have an open spot planned for the 20th person on this cast, and the fans that are watching will be the ones to determine who gets that last spot. So just keep that in mind as we continue to draft. Your next pick, Ryan. Okay. Uh, Let's see. You know, I'm going to continue to stay old school just because I'm in the mood. I'm going to take Colby, and I think I'm going to work backwards and go forwards, actually, because I feel like Colby – does better the farther back you go in the history book. So, you know, I'll acknowledge heroes versus villains. I think he just kind of was out of the zone. And I think actually a really key thing that you have to remember is Jeff actually asks him this at the finale. And he says, Colby, man, I've seen you play three times. I love you. The fans love you. 
you just look like you weren't like your head, well, head wasn't in the game. Like, why couldn't you bring that Kobe Donaldson, Texas spirit? And I think Kobe brings up a good point that Dylan, you mentioned earlier, season 20 is kind of when we enter the conversation of new school era. And now we're all about idols and big moves and strategy. And the game wasn't like that back when Kobe played in Australia and All-Stars. And I think Kobe came on the show for the adventure, you know, jumping off the cliffs in Australia, exploring the jungles with Lex and Ethan and uh, All-Stars. And I think he kind of lost that sense of adventure in Heroes versus Villains. I mean, granted, the heroes were kind of a train wreck at the beginning, but I think he just couldn't get himself into the new school era of Survivor, which why is which is why this challenge beast of Colby couldn't really be shown on camera that much doing well. Um, so then I guess the question is, Ryan, why would you consider him one of the best to never win or why does he have unfinished business? I think because, you know, if he's kept up with the show and he wants to prove he can maybe could play in a new era after kind of sitting back and watching it, maybe he could, maybe he could try to bring like some of that old school flair if they ever do like an old school, new school. Um, I think he was fine in All-Stars but got taken out by Lex, stabbed in the back. Um but then obviously the key part of my argument here would be Australian Outback, one of the first guys in Hef's esteemed uh, Challenge Beast Club, uh, male Challenge Beast. Um, Kobe wins five challenges in Australia, and the only reason he doesn't win Australia is because he takes Tina to the end instead of Keith because Tina's a better person and he doesn't like Keith as much. He would have swept Keith at the end, and he only loses to Tina by one vote. So again, when you come back close, you had some unfinished business. So I think Kobe would be a lock for this. Yeah, I mean, for somebody that was having to quote the famous to quote the famous line, you people were naming their kids after Kobe. So yeah. for him to have his journey end in Heroes Villains, where he kind of looks like he's just like out of it and can't compete, like you know, that's not the way you want your survivor journey to end. And I just think that, you know, just like we were talking about, that was the very beginning of the new school era where big moves were so significant, where you know, where everyone was looking to make a big move. Like, yeah. Even, you know, in seasons before that, there were people always looking to make big moves. But, like, Heroes Villains is where it really picked up a notch. So, you know, I could see why he was, you know, a little bit out of place on a season like that. You know, speaking of how he gifted Tina the win, I, my brother Andrew Heffler commented in there that Colby is a woo. I would love to talk about – I would love to do a draft of players who shouldn't have won. So Tina shouldn't have won on paper. Uh, well, like, do you, do you mean like – do you mean like – do you mean like – well, I, I think that we oh. should do, I don't know, maybe we could do a draft of like bad decision makers or something like that. No, I want to do players that shouldn't have won so I can draft Sarah, so I can draft. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> no, that, Brutal. that's more of like you, you have to rank bad decisions. You have to rank bad decisions. You can't draft bad decisions. Yeah, well, ranking, drafting, like. Same thing. Same sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, could, we could rank bad decisions. So it's a good, good, good podcasting idea that came up. I will, I, I will draft the bad decision of the jury to give Sarah the win. I can't wait till we debate this out. Look, we're we're considering doing a hot takes at hot takes podcast next week. This 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 has this has some potential here. I want to clarify my Tony comment because there was another there was another comment about that. When I said that Tony shouldn't have won on paper, I'm Wu should have taken Cass to the end. So if you think about it, Tony really shouldn't have won if Wu made the right decision. So that is why I said that whether or not you agree, whether you think that's part of Tony's strong social game, whatever. That's what I meant by the comment. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that's part of the hot takes. All right. 
hot takes galore possibly next week but uh yeah um all right so to my pick now because it is a snake draft and we are back so i'll pick and then hef will get two all right so my pick here hmm i'm gonna go you know we just we just mentioned her because she was ahead of amanda in in uh, days on survivor i'm gonna take aubrey so all so let me just fill this in up here so you know aubrey somebody who a lot of people think should have won season 32 um over michelle um she played a great game in that season goes to game changers and plays a pretty solid game once again getting to i believe the final five is that correct final five and yeah so final five and game changers gets the final three um and gets second place in korong and then she you know she was such a big threat when she came back on edge of extinction that she gets voted out pre-merge and i think that aubrey aubrey you know she's one of those players she played three times in a span of between 32 and 38 i think that maybe her return was a little bit rushed back in edge of extinction and so someone and you know when you're when you're a great returnee on a season where it's mostly newbies it's extremely hard as a returnee to get that target off your back so i think that you know, she's a great player that happened to go at pre-merge because of her situation. And I would love to see her back. Um, just an extremely good player, Aubrey. And definitely one of the best to never win, especially because most people think that she could have beat Michelle. Or yeah, sure. I mean, basically, I mean, you can assign credit wherever you want, but basically when you're one of the key cogs in the first ever time where somebody has like, the um scott and jason idol where you put two halves together and then basically you split that up and then if someone gets voted out you give them both halves and it acts like an idol after the vote she's instrumental in swinging ty over to the side of her sydney and michelle there um basically ty doesn't make that move without aubrey aubrey is a great like kind of like serena way she's a great social player and a great strategist um and i do think aubrey I mean, obviously we can debate this could have should have won co wrong um but no i think aubrey is a great player yeah, I, I don't know if you guys remember, but her story arc in Korong was also great. I don't know if you guys remember the very beginning of Korong where she seemed like the person who just did not belong. It was kind of like David Wright in, you know, Millennials Gen X, where in the first few episodes, you're like, what is this person doing out there? Like struggling, uh, just like physically looks like they don't, you know, struggling in terms of the like conditions on the islands doesn't look like they belong and then just completely turns it up a notch and ends up being pretty much one of the best players from the season. So. Yeah, I, I think Aubrey was a shoe-in for the season, just like all the other players you mentioned, and would be a great addition to Unfinished Business. Yeah, I agree. So, Hef, you get two picks since this is a self-proclaimed snake draft by you. <laughs> I had that idea up my sleeve for a while because I wanted to get two of my faves. And uh, right yeah. now I'm going to pick somebody that hands down should have won when he was in the final Tribal Council. Hands down, my mind was blown when he didn't win. His name is Coach Wade. Let's go. Sophie should not have won that season. Coach was dominant the entire time. He was he was the puppet master the entire time. He had a strong alliance. He was making the strategic calls. And because people didn't think he was being authentic when he was saying that, when he was saying that he was playing the way that he thought God wanted him to. That's why they, that's why they didn't vote for him because they thought he was lying. But in my opinion, I truly believe that he thought he was playing with divine intervention and he, 
I think that he was playing the way that he thought. I, I, I think that he believes that. Whether or not it's true, I don't think it's true, but I think he believed that. And just his strategy alone and his social game alone, I think that should have easily made him win. I just feel like, I mean, look, even if he, I don't buy that. Even if he thinks he was playing that way, he he didn't own his game. Like basically the jury wanted him to say like, look, and obviously we shouldn't go too deep into this rabbit hole, but like you used, you know, religion to unite people against the common enemy and take them out. And basically if Albert ever thought about flipping, you had to tell him, no, like our group wouldn't want to do that. You have to stay loyal. And I feel like, Look, I think we got a lot more insight into Sophie as a player from Winners at War, and I think she proved that she easily is a worth. She's a worthy player. She's amazing, and anyone can argue at this point whether Coach or Sophie should have won. But I do think if Coach, and this is why a fourth time, if he wants it, would be cool, is you know if Coach had just owned his game and said, you know, I did this. I kind of used this as a crutch, and I lied about it. Yeah, but he, I don't. Yeah. I don't think he thinks that. The reason I, I, I truly think that he thinks he was playing an honorable game because he's kind of, he's kind of a crazy guy to say the so, least. So how about, so how about we, how about we word, how about we word it like this? If coach had, if coach this time around were to have self awareness that he did not have, in I don't think he would change anything. No, I'm saying, but I, but we don't know if he would change anything yet because we haven't seen him in our fourth, tr- fourth, t- fourth time. So I think that if he has the self awareness to know. Yeah, you know what? Like, I really didn't play honorably, or this is my definition of honor, and this may not be your definition of honor. Like, I like th- if he if he's just self awareness. If he had self awareness that time and just owned his game, he wins. And we've discussed this so many times. So I would like to see Coach for another chance, just because of that, but also just because he's one of the most entertaining people we've ever seen on the show. And you know, he was he was invited back for Edge of Extinction season 38. We do know that, but did not want to be one of the returnees on a mostly newbie season, just like he was in South Pacific. So I think eventually we could see him back, whether it's some type of legend season or whatever. And, you know, I'm here for it. I'm going to make one more pitch for Coach playing true to his morality. So I don't know why I remember this, but there was one challenge where he said – Father, if you help us win this challenge, we will all go down on one knee and thank you, Father. And then when they won, he like really took it personally and made every single person get down on one knee and thank God. So I think that he truly throughout the game was like he thought he was playing with divine intervention. And I think that's why he wouldn't he wouldn't have said I was lying. I was using religion as a crutch. I think that he was actually playing that way, whether or not. Whether or not God is speaking to him is to be seen, but I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we could we could debate this all day. Regardless, Coach deserves to be on this cast, and I think that's something we could all agree on. So, yeah. to your next pick, Sierra Easton, one of the owner of one of the five biggest moves in Survivor history. I think that's safe to say she voted that her mom. I wish we could have seen her get a great second chance when she was on game changers she got voted out first because of the huge target on her back because people knew that she was so so dominant strategically and also socially she so yeah the the combination of her having one of the biggest moves ever and also her having a huge target on her back in game changers makes me think that she's one of the best to never win so i think so i have a few things to talk about about sierra here so i think that you know like how any anything in life when you talk about something so much, something that maybe properly rated could become overrated. Sure. So yeah. I think that I think that like her voting at her mom has been played up so much by 
Survivor and by you know others that I think that it becomes a move that has that maybe seen now is overrated because in the end she was voting with the numbers like she was aligned with Tyson who wanted to make that move and she didn't really have a choice but you know like we've listened to Tony say in his his uh deep dive with Rob Cesarino recently he said he says so many people like give give Sierra crap for that being overhyped but like that is truly a tough thing to do when you're that close to somebody um to put their, you know, to actually, you know, to say you're going to do it, you could, you know, that's maybe easier, but to actually put her, put her mom's name down and vote her out. It's a tough thing to do in a social game, especially when you're, you know, you're relying on people that you're close to in a blood water season. Um, especially, you know, when you're away from home, you know, your day, whatever t- high twenties on survivor, it's a tough thing to do. So I, you know, I do think that that was such a huge move. And I also want to say that, you know, when we're, when we're drafting casts, you want, entertainment and i think production really likes sierra because she kind of had that underdog story at the beginning in season 27 and she's always willing to make the big move so even if even if for the viewers a big move may not be the right you know for the players a big move may not always be the right move but a big move is always what the viewers want to see so i think that that always provides entertainment yeah i do want to give my two cents on sierra but before I do, I just want to bring up Mon's comment in the chat, just because I feel like we have gotten people like uh, Megan and Adam and Mons who joined after we started. Just, just to clarify, because I know the name isn't on the um, on the graphic. This cast theme is unfinished business. So just to quickly define what that means, again, if anybody wasn't here at the start, it really quickly means that unfinished business means you have unfinished business in the game, whether that means you're one of the best to never win you came just shy of winning the million or due to something out of your control or some kind of twist, you got unfairly knocked out. So those three criteria would be what we're using for this unfinished business cast. Yeah. And I also want to point out that somebody who got a raw deal possibly in a, in one or in her last season is Sierra because she was voted at first in game changers. And it was pretty much because of a pre-existing reputation. It wasn't because she kind of did anything. They were just like, She's sneaky. Like we've seen, she voted at her mom. She voted at her mom. She voted at her mom. So she's willing to vote at anybody. Like we don't need that around. So I think that, you know, maybe a little bit far removed from that in a cast where people are really, really highly regarded. Everybody, maybe that would not be, I mean, game changers was that, but maybe, you know, being further removed from season 27, she would do better and not be seen as such a threat just because that one moment. Yeah. All right. So it is back to me. All right. Hmm. All right. Tough choice here. I, I have a few options. I'm gonna go with Johnny Fairplay. He was in our last uh he was in our last casting draft. Um somebody who definitely could be definitely can be considered one of the best to never win. Um where is he on here? Uh there we go. Definitely could be considered one of the best to never win. Um you know, plays a new school game in a old school era. I don't want to get too much into fair play because we did discuss him further last podcast. You know, everybody knows complete game changer by, you know, making up the lie, making up the lie that his grandma died in order to get people in order to get sympathy. Um, but yeah, like I said, really played Pearl Islands perfectly ends up not winning a ends up not winning in a, what ends up being a final two because he, did not win that final immunity challenge in final three. Sandra, vo- uh, Lil votes him out, and then Sandra goes and beats her. So, yeah, I think I think fair play if he gets to the end would have had a pretty good chance to win that season. 
Um, definitely was the best player in that season easily. Um, and then we saw him briefly in Micronesia, but because of the birth of his daughter, he was feeling missing her, feeling away from home. Head was not in the game, wanted to quit right away. So, look, I, I think Johnny Fairplay. I think he can't. He can't go out. Johnny Fairplay, the Johnny Fairplay, cannot go out like what we saw in Micronesia. He needs one more time, one more chance. So, unfinished business for Johnny Fairplay. I'm sure you guys would agree with it. F and the Y and everything in between. Completely. Oh, wait. So we have a question here. So have all three of them have all three of them forgot that Sierra played in Cambodia? No. no only I did. <laughs> did you? <laughs> only I did. Yeah, I, I was very aware of that the whole time. During the big I was aware of it. I just didn't get to comment on Sierra yet. She was on the bottom the entire time. Like it she I she, she was, was very on the big one with Idol Play against Savage. What? Now I remember she was on Wentworth's side when Wentworth played the idol against Savage. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I know she I know that she's she played. She was on the receiving end of the fist bump. Yeah, no, she's she's played three times. I'm just saying that, you know, the difference between, you know, she got voted at first in 34, but she had she still had that reputation from 27 when it got to 34. So I'd love to see her again just because I think that she's a better player than going out first, if that makes sense. So that is why Sierra is a choice here. All right. Okay. Next. Now Ryan's got two because of the snake. Because of the snake. A self-imposed hashtag self-imposed snake from half. Um, basically, I'm going to keep going with a lot of some old school picks just because we haven't got to talk about some of these people a lot in our drafts before. And that's kind of why I like the different themes that we have because we always try to bring up different people. Um, but the first one's going to be a repeat. I want Rob Sesternino. I think when you talk about one of the best to never win in the conversation of like a Sari, like a Dom, Russell, Amanda, like Rob Sesterny is one of the best to never win, especially on the male side. And like with Russell, he changed the game back in old school survivor in the Amazon. Again, he, I mentioned this last week, but just to quickly summarize again, he changed the way confessionals were done. He changed the way the game was played from voting out the swing vote to bringing in people on the bottom to your side. He knew the game better than anybody. And then when someone on the jury asked Jenna and Matthew, who were in the final two, you know, who should be in your spot, if not you, both of them said Rob. Like Rob easily is one of the best to never win. And I think if he wants to come back in the new school era, I think he could do well. He still has a great mind for the game as evidenced by the podcast. And I just, I can't say enough great things about Rob. Yeah, for sure. I know he was on our uh, third chance cast last week, but he definitely deserves a chance for unfinished business. So to your next pick, Ryan. So my next pick is going to be someone who fits the, um, ah, she definitely fits the criteria of unfinished business just because she always is struggling in some way or another. Uh, Stephanie, Lagro Stephanie LaGrosa, um, to quote, the Heroes versus Villains finale, Gigi's Pizza, go get a slice from a, the pizza place that Steph used to work at. But um, Stephanie, basically, uh, probably the biggest underdog story in the history of Survivor. I know Hef loves Kelly Buttonworth, and I love Kelly as well. But, I mean, when you talk about Stephanie LaGrosa, somebody who loses her, as Dylan Palau, Stephanie loses her entire tribe. Oolong goes out member by member by member, and she's the last one left. One of the best scenes in Survivor history is her on the beach alone after Bobby John leaves, and she's just trying to struggle to make a to make a fire and to cut down a coconut, and she's 
all on her own. We've never seen this ever again. Survivor has never let anyone ever again get to a one-person tribe. Uh, Denise and Malcolm came close in Philippines. Um, but And then she comes back in Guatemala, and she plays on the top. Stephanie is ruthless. She is taking people out, and then the jury votes for Danny because they don't really respect Steph's game. And then in Heroes versus Villains, everybody sees her as a big threat on the hero, so she goes very early. But I think Steph, for a lot of reasons, needs to um, needs to come back for some unfinished business. Yeah, I completely agree with that. One of the best story arcs that we've seen in Survivor. You know, talk we talk about so- story arcs, and you know, just going from that underdog to somebody who goes on top, finishes you know second place, um, and then you know, just just a great story arc all around for Steph. But the fact that, you know, here is villains, we just we saw her just for a brief amount of time before she went out so early. And she's just one of those players, you know, we haven't seen her in 10 years. Would be great to see her back. You know, one of the greats of, of old school for sure. So I'm in full support of the pick. Yep. All right. So my our next pick here. Hmm. I'm going to go with Chrissy. Season 35. Runner up. So... Chrissy, a lot of people think that where where are we where are we here? You know, a lot of people think that she deserved to win over Ben. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a horrible take at all because and I think a lot of people are just kind of salty that Ben was given that opportunity in fire making for the first time ever. Um, you know, it was kind of a little bit suspicious and he just kept finding idols and kept playing them properly. It was like Chrissy was kind of that under underdog story in that season compared to Ben where people like wanted Chrissy to Chrissy to win. She got, she ends up, I believe getting three, three votes at the end. Is that correct? She loses six, three, right? I thought she got two. She definitely got Ashley's votes. And I think she may have gotten JP's vote. She definitely got two votes. Regardless, she ends up getting votes in the finale over Ben. Um, Great strategic player, really good physical player because, you know, she won multiple immunities um, somebody who was in our second cast draft because I think that she's almost guaranteed to come back again if she wants to. Um, and because of a, tw- again, because of a twist, the fire making challenge, she is not the winner of season 35. And I think that she deserves another chance. It's as simple as that. And at the same time, she's probably on there for one of the best to never win. So. Yeah. Maybe we'll talk about this in hot takes or maybe we'll just have it in a den- general discussion podcast, but I think Chrissy got, royally screwed here you also can bring up adam's comment where he mentions devon i think both devon and chrissy got really a raw deal from the fire making twist mainly because they didn't know it was coming and if they knew it was coming they would have played the previous votes differently um and i i'm i'm in the camp of i think chrissy should have won over ben especially seeing how ben performed in winners at war i think chrissy should have won that season so i think she definitely has some unfinished business yeah and to adam's comment like devon yeah devon gets screwed by fire making as well. But I think that we saw, you know, a lot of people say that Devin played a really, really underrated game just because he, his, you know, his game is one of those that's hard to show is very under the radar. Um, but yeah, I feel like we just saw more of Chrissy's game and I do feel like Chrissy played a better game than Devin in that season. Um, so that's why I'm putting Chrissy rather than Devin on this, on this cast. Yeah. And we, and we love Devin. We had Devin for second chance. Right. All right. Two picks for Hef. He's back. So I don't know who to choose first. I think I've chosen a woman first each time. No, I didn't. Either way, though, I'm going to take Jerry right now, the Black Widow. So 
I don't know if Jerry is necessarily one of the best to never win, but I think there's a lot to be said about how she evolved her game, and she's one of the first people to ever do that. So she changed from being the Black Widow and being a villain to when she played on Heroes Villain, she kind of went away from her character that she was forced into on that season, and she was more of a hero. She played a really strong social game. She was really well-liked. She was good She was good strategically, and she started the perfect model of how to evolve your game in Survivor. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I agree that she did a really, really good job. Um in here as villains. And I know, you know, one of the things that when we, when we went through the ultimate survivor bracket and we know that, you know, we, we spoke to Russell, obviously Russell had us on. He said that if he took, cause people always say, well, like, why, why would you bring two winners to the end with you, Russell? You brought Sandra and poverty to the end with you. Like, doesn't make any sense. He said that if he, if, if Jerry gets to the end, he said that the jury told him, you know, after the game ended, obviously that, sh- that Jerry wins pretty easily. Um, I think that's, I think that's something that you don't maybe see in the edit much in Heroes Villains, but Jerry played an incredible game in Heroes Villains. Uh, he gets, 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 you know, almost to the end all the way. Um, a great old school player and somebody who we haven't seen since Heroes Villains. So I would love to see her back for sure. Yeah, no, I, I agree with Huff's point that, um, she does a great job at changing her game from Australian Outback to All-Stars to Heroes versus Villains. I don't think she's... She's not the first to change her game like that. I think we've seen examples before then. Obviously, one notable example is Parvati going from Cook Islands to Micronesia. She has a famous confessional where she says, I want to play smart this time. So she does a much better job at changing from more of the flirt card role to more of a strategic role, picking up Alexis and Natalie at the swap. But um, still, even though she wasn't the first to change up her game, Jerry does evolve her game, which is, as we see a lot, it's hard for some people. Some people just can't change their game. And the fact that she did... I think proves to Jerry's caliber as a player. And I think, I I think Jerry would be great to see again. I think Jerry's somebody who one of the most well-known people in the survivor history books, um, the black widow, Manny Dermanthe. um, And again, if we're looking at this cast, if Colby and Jerry are are on the same season again, that's just amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And I, you know, I'm I'm thinking back to like all stars now also, and just like Jerry's edit where she was just like, the entire time she was getting berated in the edit by like, I believe it was Sheehan who was like, she's so annoying. She's so annoying. Jerry's annoying. She doesn't do anything. She doesn't do anything. It was like villain, 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 villain kind of changed a lot. And here's villains. Uh, she changed her game. So yeah, I, I would love to see Jerry back. And I definitely think she would come back also if she was asked. So, so next pick. Next pick. David Wright. David Wright played a really strong game in millennials, Gen X and also edge of extinction. And similar to Kelly Wentworth, he's one of the people that you root for the entire time and then they get screwed over in the uh, Final Four immunity and they end up losing. And it it really hurts because they play such a strong game and they're so close to winning the million dollars and then they miss it by one challenge. So he, like, do you guys agree that if he made it to the Final Three, he wins hands down probably in a clean sweep? Didn't he end up... What, didn't he finish sixth in Millennial Gen X, not fourth? I thought he was four. Ryan, what was he, sixth or four? He was sixth, right? Four. Four, yeah. really? Yeah. I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> but yeah. whatever. regardless, you've seen that season sooner than I have. More recent. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I think that if he makes it to the final tribal council, he wins a clean sweep. So for that reason, he's on my he's on my big board. What do you guys think? Yeah, I don't know about a, a clean sweep, but I think David does win if he gets to the end, especially with Hannah and Ken. Um, and I, I don't think he get he gets screwed there. Because I, I think he is like obviously as the fans called the fallen the fallen angel of the season, like the fourth place finisher that could have gotten to the end and won, like Kelly. Um, the fallen angel archetype is, you know, well-known in survivor. And that's kind of why they created the fire making challenge. Um, I mean, that's controversial as well, but I do think David is obviously a great player. Um, Edge of extinction. I don't think he really had a chance because like Dylan mentioned with Aubrey, just the, that group of new school players did not want to work with old school, uh, not, uh, returning players. Obviously Rick Devins and David do partner up, but a lot of them just did not want to play with, returning players and just David was even with the lesser three of war dog Lauren and Kelly he was on the outs of that he just didn't have a fair shot um again I feel like David could come back and do well I feel like people know his game so he'll be tough to make a good crack at it but I love David Wright yeah and we again to mention story arcs another great story arc in millennial gen x that guy on day one who looked like he just did not belong in the survivor setting goes on to play the be- play arguably the best game in the entire season for a guy who did not win the season. So yeah, David Wright, definitely one of the best to never win. Definitely deserves another chance. All right. So it is back to me as Hef has made both of his picks. Hmm. Who am I going to go with? I'm trying to see, do we have, we have four men and four women on each tribe. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. Yep. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with one of my favorites of all time. One of the most popular to ever play survivor. One of the most well-known players to ever play survivor. And that is Rupert Bonham. Rupert is a absolute legend, you know, starting in Pearl islands when he is the, the provider, the, one of the original providers, he literally did everything for his tribe in Pearl islands the tribe ate because of Rupert. Rupert would come back with like not one, not two, but like 12 fish. The tribe would always have their stomach full because of Rupert. And in that season, that was how he gained such a big threat level because in the old school, in old school survivor, that's what, that's one of the things that threat level really was. So although Rupert is not a master strategist, he did, you know, get pretty far each time he played the game outside of the really, really, really bad twist in blood water, which I'm going to say it where, you know, his tribe votes out his wife and then he ends up swapping with Laura in order to have, let her have a chance to play the game. And I, I don't know, just for Rupert to go out like that, brutal, like for his survivor journey and like that, I guess you could say that, I guess you could spin it and say that his survivor journey ends. If, if, if that were the end for Rupert, you could say his journey ends like heroically. You could say like you would expect it to where he like gives up himself for his wife, but I think everyone wanted to see Rupert actually play that season. So I would love to see Rupert back. Um, yeah. I mean, what else is there to say? Ah, Rupert. <laughs> who voted for me? <laughs> you vote for me, John. Ah, <laughs> uh, Rupert. Um, again, <laughs> I, I feel like it's, it's kind of sad. Like you said, him going out, you know, the very first one out of blood versus water because he sacrifices his game for Laura's. I feel like in a way, I mean, kind of like Sari with Advantage getting like, how else does your story go from there? Like, you kind of close the book in like in an epic way. Like, no one can take that away from Russell, um, from Rupert. Like, you went out on your own accord. You like went out for the one that you love. I feel like 
he could come back, but I feel like that's kind of like a really, you know, nice way to end the chapter on Rupert and Survivor. Plus, I love Rupert. I know the fans love Rupert, but I just don't see how anybody lets him get to the end because he's so popular. I mean, after Survivor All-Stars, after Amber wins, they have another reunion show a few weeks later or whatever, and they have like America's Tribal Council where America votes another person to win a million dollars and they give Rupert a million dollars just for being likable. So no one's in, in on this cast would let Rupert get within walking distance of the finals. Yeah. Rupert, such an entertaining player. I mean, you just go through the moments season by season. And like I, like I mentioned, like Adam mentioned in the comments about, you know, his all-stars performance gets all the way to the final four in all-stars after a great performance in Pearl Islands in season seven. Um, and then goes back in here as villains and is like the ultimate hero that you want to just see take down all those villains goes and just bends his toe like an L shape in the first, in the first challenge of the entire season goes on to final seven. So Rupert just really, really good social player. One of the original providers, one of the best providers. And I would, I'd love to see him back just as a player. That's, you know, one of the most popular and, you know, one of the most iconic to never win the game. A mm-hmm. hero, but less, less we forget the very first scene at Pearl Islands, Rupert is stealing shoes from the uh, the Morgan True. tribe. Uh, Not cannot forget that, that. That's easily a top ten. That's easily a top ten moment in Survivor history. Rupert stealing shoes. It's incredible. And I, I think it's so funny because if you if you look if you look back on Pearl Islands and you know the scene you know the, the scene where Fair Play and Rupert get into the epic fight, which is always remembered as one of the best fights in Survivor history. It's like into in in New School Survivor if somebody like Rupert was so salty after a vote like that. Like you're like looking and like, what's Rupert's problem. It was kind of like this season where Ben refused to talk to Jeremy and everyone's like, well, what is Ben doing? And in that season, it was like, Rupert was the hero. Like it did, like it didn't matter. Like I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Rupert is just such a likable guy. And I, I think that fans would go crazy to see him back. Mm-hmm. So, Rupert is my pick. And now to you, Ryan for two. I get the last two for me. Um, and like I said at the start, this is kind of tough because, you know, I think the first few names off our board, everybody would agree they have some sort of unfinished business. And I think as you get towards the back half, and actually this is good, most people would kind of start debating the last few picks, which allows for more discussion, which I always love. Um, I think one of my one of my picks is going to be agreed upon, and I think one of my picks is going to be questioned. But, you know, we're starting to run out of, you know, people that have the unfinished business. Although I think the last pick, that we let the people decide. I think we had some great names mentioned earlier. Um, so first I have to go with Malcolm. Um, I, maybe this is going to be safe for hot takes, but I want to go back and review JT's win in token genes because I want to strip JT of that win and give it to Fishback for what he did to Malcolm and Game Changers. Honestly, from what we've seen from JT, as a quick side note, from JT from token genes to Heroes versus Villains to Game Changers, it, it's one of the biggest downtrends of any player ever half worse than Colby in terms of how much he regressed. Um, But basically Malcolm gets really screwed here by the twist where both tribes go to tribal council and vote one person out. And I think Malcolm is going to be fine there. And then JT just spills the beans to Brad Culpepper. And then to Brad's credit tells um, Ty to give the idol to Sierra. Sierra safe. Malcolm goes home there. JT completely screws Malcolm. What a great move. Culpepper. What's up? What a great move by Culpepper. It is. And it's a terrible move by JT. Um, and so that's where Malcolm definitely deserves some unfinished business. Caramoan, I think you could kind of argue away because 
he's kind of on the three amigos. He's on the outs of the numbers. He could have probably done a better job at integrating himself. Um, but then you go back to Philippines and Malcolm, if he one of the wins, one of the best one of the best fourth place finishers we've ever seen. So if he wins that challenge where they're balancing the ball on the log, and granted he had two chances to do it, and he had an advantage, he, yeah, an extra life. He couldn't do it. If, if he doesn't drop that ball, he easily beats Scoop and Lisa at the end there. Um, so yeah, Malcolm easily has business to attend to. Or if or if you can, I mean, I, I don't think Denise would have ever done this, but if Denise, a lot of people say if Denise stayed true to her alliance with Malcolm and did end up bringing him to the end, he probably beats Denise as well. Definitely beats Denise as well. So, yeah, I think that Malcolm is one of the best fourth place, as you would say, as the Survivor community would say, fallen angels ever. And, you know, his downtrend really was drastic from the three seasons. So I, I know a, a great player like Malcolm, you don't like to see go out like a bad twist like that in Game Changers. So I think it's a good pick, Ryan. I feel like he would come back. I I know he stole watches, of course. I don't know if he wants to. I'm sure Survivor would love to have him back. Um, but yeah, Malcolm, I feel like, except for that twist in Game Changers, Malcolm is somebody like uh, Andrea, who's my next pick, just to quickly segue, how to shove that in there. But Malcolm is kind of like an Andrea where they'll, they'll always make the merge bar any type of weird situation. So like Malcolm would be a good draft pick if you ever were drafting a season. Um, actually, Malcolm, fun fact, guys, when I drafted Game Changers with my friends, Malcolm was my first pick on the board, and I was very upset that Malcolm got taken out like that. Although half, I did have Sarah as my second pick, and I won the draft. So <laughs> that's tough. Um, anyway, um, Andrea, so the last pick. Um, Andrea is somebody where, like I said, when I first started my round, we start to get to the topic of like, you know, she's definitely not one of the best to never win because, you know, she – uh, you know, gets taken out around like seventh or eighth place in Caramoan and in Game Changers and then Redemption Island. She gets voted out twice. So she wouldn't fall into that bucket. But when you look at, you know, who has been so close and, you know, just missed the mark or who kind of got like a raw deal in some cases, I think Andrea is obviously a very worthy player. Um, she's one of the few people on Omatepe to kind of like catch on to Rob. Um, unlike, you know, Natalie or Philip or Ashley, Andrea obviously starts to see Rob as a threat, which is why out of his Omatepe crew, he takes Andrea out first and then takes out Grant. Um, he knew, Rob knew Andrea was definitely a threat here. So that's why I think she deserves some unfinished business. And then in Caramoan and then in Game Changer, she plays a good game, just can't make it to the end there. It's almost like she makes the same mistake almost like every time where she starts like playing a little bit too hard too early. And, you know, it comes, it comes back to bite her. So I look, I, I would love to see Andrea again. Definitely a really popular survivor player really good strategic survivor player um social game also really good um but just could she take that strategy to the next level by adapting and realizing her threat level early and maybe playing a little bit on more under the radar to get to advance herself further in the game yeah i, I again i i love it i just don't know if andrea can ever do that like joe i don't, I don't know how andrea changes her game but again I think this is why this was great to see Tony do what he did in Winners at War. Because if anybody can like do what Tony did and completely like flip your threat perception, then anybody can do it. So I'd be interested to see it. What do you think Andrea's new style of gameplay would be? She definitely can't go like Dylan said. She definitely can't go as hard as she does in the at the at the merge. I, I think in the pre-merge, she's always good at being social. She's always good at doing well with her tribe of challenges. Um, but she always wins one of the first few immunities at the merge, and that easily paints a target on your back. She can't do that. 
And then I think she has to, I know whenever people talk about what are the rules of Survivor, you have to scheme, but you can't scheme too much. Because if you don't scheme too much, you're out of the numbers. If you scheme too much, you're a threat. So you have to find that sweet spot that's very hard where you're in a good alliance, but you're not scheming to the point where people want to take you out next. Like you're not at the head of your alliance, but you're somewhere floating in the middle. So you kind of have to work out like a balanced strategy there. Fair. I, I completely agree. So we're up to the last spot um which the people in the comments who are watching will have a say will be choosing it has to be a woman that's the only rule because right now we have five men russell dom coach fair play and rupert on that nuku tribe so in order to make it even men and women it needs to be a woman other than that no rules So so I'm looking at the comments and I think I have like my name for who I would take from the comments as my last pick. Yeah. I I'm curious to hear what everybody has to say here. I'm just like, honestly, like I think this would the way this would best work is if people just like spam the comments basically and people that they think it should, they think it should be, but I'm curious to, to see who you think it should be Ryan. So while, this while, we, name- while we get the comments in here. Yeah, so this is a, this is a name I saw a lot in this cast, and this is a name that's going to be very off the wall. And I feel like, and, and again, I, she's not watching this podcast. I don't even know if she watched the Survivor. In her defense, she's not one of these best to never win. She's not a legend. She's not so close to the end, but she's somebody who easily gets one of the most screwed in Survivor by a twist. And she was mentioned by Adam. She was mentioned by um, who else was mentioned? Her David. And then just now, um, oh, Adam mentioned her again. I think Michelle Yee from Fiji got one of the best, one of the worst raw deals ever, along with Adam in China with getting swap screwed. Basically, if you guys don't remember from Fiji, um, and again, I know she's not like an all-star, so she wouldn't fit into this cast, but basically Michelle at the final 10, they merge a Fiji, and Jeff says, okay, here's a twist. For this challenge, and he makes it look like a reward, for this challenge... We're going to split you up into two teams of five and you're going to compete for immunity, not reward. And the losing tribe of five goes immediately to tribal council and they cannot strategize at all. And she gets swapped with her friend, Stacy against a tight three person alliance of Alex, Edgardo and Mookie. And she has no shot there. She cannot strategize. You have to go straight from that tribal, which they had no idea that was going to happen to tribal council and she can't even strategize and she gets completely just screwed by that. So again, I don't know if she would fit your guys' criteria, but if we're talking about somebody who got unfairly ruined by a twist, Michelle really got a raw deal. That's yeah, not so, so, much. That's so, not, so here, 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 what is Hef saying? Cool. That's not cool. It's not cool. It so was unfair. Here, here's what I'm, here's what I'm thinking for this. So like, I think if the only criteria were screwed by a swap, were screwed by a twist or swap, then that would be, then Michelle would be a good option. The only thing is like, I look at this cast and I'm thinking like all of these people, it's almost like this season is just like legends to never win it. That that's the way that this cast kind of turned out. Like, you know, we're going to eventually we're going to do a legend season where winners are allowed as well. And I'm sure that a few of these people will also be in that cast. I'm just thinking like, for this last spot, I would want somebody who fits in the rest of the cast as in, you know, this, this kind of turned into like, you know, we said that there's going to be multiple, you know, multiple criteria, whether it's best to never win screwed by a twist. I feel like this kind of turned into like 70% best to never win 
30% like screwed by a swap just because a lot of these people or twist because just because a lot of these people were also screwed as well as best to never win. I just think that best to never win has to be the bigger criteria here, which is why I don't know if Michelle would fit. So what are your guys' thoughts based on the comments then? I so here so here's the thing though. So I I had a lot of ideas previously. I'm looking through the I'm looking through the comments. I think that I think that if you include Rupert, if you include Rupert and and reason like I did that one of the reasons for his himself being on this cast besides the fact that he's one of the most popular ever is that he got screwed by the blood water twist. I would think that Kansas has to be a consideration as well. You know, she's in here as villains played on, you know, cook Island. So she's played three times if you, you know, in, including that blood water season, but for her to be the first one out in that season is, well, I guess I did, did she end up going, did she end up losing the Rupert in the redemption Island uh, challenge or no? No, she made, Rupert, no, Rupert loses the very first duel. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. So she, so she, so she, so she, she survives a few before eventually being eliminated. But the fact that she never really got to play again, um, and got screwed by that twist where she ends up being the one that's voted out by her tribe. I think that she could deserve some. She, she I think that there's a case for her being the last member here. So I, I think that you know, I think that that's that's a decent that's a decent pick. Um. What, what, do you, what do you think? What do you think about Kansas? What do you guys think about Kansas? I love Kansas. Challenge uh, a minor challenge beast, right? <laughs> I you know, I need I need somebody, I need somebody to create that meme where it's the guy looking at the butterfly, where it's like, is this a pigeon? And Hef goes, is this a challenge beast? Like, I feel like that's the first question Hef always asks when it comes to any player. Is this, is this a challenge beast? Yeah, yeah. They were all they were alternates too for ours. Yeah, Adam makes a good point. Is that yeah, they yeah right. So the RC was supposed to be in that season, and Candace replaced Candace and John replaced her and her dad last minute because RC's dad had a I believe health issue that they got pulled last second. Interesting yep. fact. Um, yeah, I don't know some other, some other interesting names. If we don't put Candace in, some other interesting names that we have seen in here. Let's see. Uh, I've seen Lauren come up multiple times. Which is interesting. I don't think Lauren Beck would act would fit in this cast at all, but you know somebody that we could potentially see back in the future as, you know, somebody that went you know pretty far in Islands of the Idols. Obviously, I think that once you go down the line, Survivor Islands of the Idols will end up being a forgotten season for a lot of reasons. But you know, yeah. she she did she did she did play a solid game. Why are we not talking about Cast that much? Cast is arguably up there. All right, so make your argument for Cast. I'd love to hear it. She played a very strong game, being able to play both sides on and Kagion. She ended up playing from the bottom toward the end, and there was a chance she make. She, there was a chance that she makes it to the finals if Wu was smart. And in second, was she in second chance or game changer? Second chance, right? Yeah, second chance. And in second chance, that she got voted out of the merge because she was caught trying to play both sides and people understood that she was a pretty good and effective flip-flopper. Yeah. I, I, I think Cass would be a great option. I just think I've seen, she's like publicly tweeted that she's like done being on survivor. Like she has no desire to be back. So that's why I did not consider her personally. That's why. But, but I think that, I think that if you're going with quote unquote unfinished business and she would not be a bad selection either. It's actually 
funny, funny thing about Cass is that Tony last week did a Reddit AMA. And somebody said, in Kagayan, if Wu takes Cass and not you, does Cass, what are the chances that Cass wins? And Tony responds, 0%. <laughs> Spencer <laughs> said, Cass, 0% chance of winning the game. 0% chance of winning the game. I mean, also, when we talk about other topics we'll do in the offseason where, and yes, Andrew, we will let the people choose the last pick, all right? Um, um, basically, when we talk about, like, rewriting history and butterfly effects, I mean, what a butterfly effect where if Cass wins that challenge over Wu by, like, a second, Tony does not become a winner of Kageon. Tony's not on winners at war. The butterfly effect is real there. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, right, when you think about it. Um, okay, so if we have to let the people choose, I'm trying to like go through and see who is said the most often by the most different people, like who's a fair pick. I feel like those four women are the ones I saw the most. Uh, Candace, Michelle, Cass. I saw Sydney. I, lo- I love Sydney a lot. I don't know if she would fit into this cast. Um, um, but I don't know. I-, I feel like Candace is a good I pick. I think Candace is a good pick in my opinion. Yeah, I, I wait. We actually got a lot of heroes versus villains on this. I mean, not that I'm not that I'm complaining, but we got a lot of heroes versus villains on this uh, cast. Yeah, something that we didn't intentionally do either. It just like happens to that. That's how epic heroes heroes villains was the cast. Yeah. Like so many of the best to never win. Also, let's not forget Dylan when you talk about like character arcs and you talk about um, you know, people's stories. Candace famously um, gets sent to Exile Island four times in cook islands uh which is one of the most someone's ever been sent to exile um and the sad part was was that when she mutinied um the the tribe that she mutinied from yule ozzy sundra and becky basically every time they won the reward they sent her to exile back to back to back which was really yeah. rough so i listen i, I always love candace um and I think her tribe was, you know, smart to vote her out first when they did the quick vote in Blood versus Water because they knew she was a threat. Um, and listen, she's smart, she's athletic, she's a doctor. I I think Candace is great. I'm good with the Candace pick. I, I think that that's the, that's the name that we've seen most in the comments. So, all right, cool. All right, Candace, the last member of the Nuku tribe here. So I just um, I do their game changer names. Oh no. What do you say? Mana and Nuku are the game changers. Uh, yeah, time, so I'm I, having I'm having PTSD from Sari. I know I needed to get. Uh, I needed to. Usually we name it the Dylan Hef and Ryan tribes, but because we only did two tribes, I needed to. I just went with the names that were in the system instead of changing them. Yeah. Who now? Who were the? Now I, we usually do honorable mentions. That was kind of an honorable mention, but those these were all all the picks that were thrown out were were women because. There was only one spot available. Who would have been your next men if you had to choose? Brad Weber. Who? Brad Weber. <laughs> yeah, for the for those who for those who are just who are you know tuning in maybe for the first time this week or haven't you know seen us a ton, Hef is a huge huge Brad Culpepper fan. So we always we always you know give him one. Um. So to answer Dylan's question, the, the the male names that I had on my list were actually some of the ones that were mentioned in the chat by Megan, by um, also by Megan. Um, I think Fishback and Spencer are two people you can consider for unfinished business. Um, 
obviously we all love Spencer, but we just had him on, the, on our last two drafts. So we didn't want to have him for a third time in a row. Um, also, we just had Fishback in our last draft, which is why he wasn't on here. But Fishback also was a great player to not have won. Um, Lex, if you want to go with an old school guy that, that didn't win, but played a good game. So I think we actually got a lot of the honorable mentions off of here. Um, but I think this is a great cast. Yeah, I those are definitely some names that I also um, was considering. And I, I, I think that if if we had not done the last two casting drafts and had Spencer in it, then I think that Spencer's in this casting draft, but we just want to switch it up a little bit. I think if Spencer or Fishback were in this cast, I'd be completely fine with it. And I'm sure that Hef, you would agree with me and Ryan here. Yeah. I want to say that my Mount Rushmore of the best to never win is Russell Wentworth. Um, who was I going to say? Sorry. Cole Pepper and not Surrey. Oh, you blasphemy. I'm coach, I'm coach, I'm coach. I'm Get coach. out of here. Get out of How here. How dare you not mention Surrey on the Mountain Rushmore to never He's win? not on there. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I also think another name that we, that I, that I had thought about, but we didn't end up putting him on the cast for a lot of different reasons um, is I think that, uh james would be an interesting choice for this cast now you know me and ryan were discussing this james has been at the finale since he's last been on survivor and he had said he's done with the show he doesn't watch he doesn't even watch anymore i don't know if he like changed that because why was he at the finale if he doesn't watch i forgot what it was do we remember why he was at the finale i don't remember which season it was but he definitely was ghost island because that was your past mistakes and i think michael or somebody had james's like uh giant idol square that he got voted out with and i think jeff brought him and eric back for that yes that is what it was so yeah eric was like yeah i still watch the show james was like no i don't um so yeah i think james would have unfinished business because if you think about it season 15, he gets voted out where he has two idols in his pocket season 16. He gets medevaced because of the, I believe it was the, what was it? A thumb injury where he had an infection. Is that what it was? Yeah. His finger had like an infection. Yeah. It, yeah. it was a finger, finger problem where he gets medevaced because it was the infection was too deep. And then, there were seven people left six, seven. Yeah. Seven. Something like that. And then heroes villains, he ends up tearing his ACL. So, I mean, like, you know, just between injuries and then the brutal idol. And you want to hear a fun fact about James and you would, you could, you could fact check me on this, but I'm pretty positive. It's true is that he has never won an individual immunity challenge. Believe That's correct. Right, which is a crazy stat. You want to so, hear? I'll go. No, I was just going to say, and Russell, Russell also spoke, you know, Russell said he knows James outside the game pretty well spoke very highly of him and said that he considers James a legend. Um, um, so yeah, I think that James would have been a good name. Adam brings up here, Penner Penner is somebody that I think definitely was considered, but I don't think he ever plays again. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Penner is also a good name for this cast. Yeah. I was going to bring up Adam's comment too. I love Penner. I just think with everything going on with his wife, he wouldn't come back, but we, we all love Penner. And then his comment right above that, he agrees that Ceri's the most robbed. Um, <laughs> but basically, one more fun fact about James, if you guys don't know, is that that challenge he gets injured in, Schmergenbrawl, where it's like fighting for the, the basketballs, yeah. is the only challenge to ever be banned from Survivor. It has never been brought back because of all the injuries in that challenge. It gets that way too wild. Bad. What's it up? Gets, 
it, it ends up being a free fall and everyone just gets hurt. Well, because it's you first see it in Samoa with Russell and it leads to Mike Barassi getting medevaced um, and people get knocked all over the place. Then in that challenge in Heroes versus Villains, James hurts his knee. Rupert throws Jerry's face into the pole and like it, basically everybody gets injured there and Jeff had to kick someone out of a challenge. Like it's the only challenge where they've said we're never bringing it back ever. Thank yeah. you, Kyle. I agree with Kyle on the chat. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, could the season just be given to Suri? What Suri and 19 other people. Oh, one of the best to never win. She's never made it to a final tribal council. The best to never win half. She's never made it to a final oh, tribal but, council. But she's, but she's never made it to the final tribal council because of previous twists. All right. Or, or, come on, Mount Rushmore all had people that were in the final tribal council and should have won. That's Pat why Micronesia was going to be a final win. three and they had to change it because of the medevac. So it was going to be a final three and she would have won in the final three. All right. So I want to clarify. I want to ask you a question. Was she yeah. in the final tribal council that season? She wasn't. Okay. <laughs> listen, listen. Well, Hef's preparing himself for the hot takes podcast. Listen, he's getting, he's getting himself I, a little bit heated. The last thing I will say about this to Hef before I rail him off the podcast and we can talk about this next week is if you want to say, you know, Russell or Kelly, like you can pick your favorite to never win. Fine. I will give you whoever you want. But if you're picking a four-person Mount Rushmore and Sari is not on that four, I question your your authenticity right here. Yeah. Boo Sorry. This, boo, boo this man. Boo this man. <laughs> All right. So to wrap things up here, if you did not get see, if you did not figure us out alluding to it the entire time, but now I it was a little bit up in the air. Now I think we definitely have to do it is that we're going to take a little bit of break from casting drafts the next few weeks. Next week, we're going to do a Survivor Hot Takes podcast where we're going to come up, each of us are going to come up with some of our hottest Survivor takes, um, possibly, you know, some things that we, some opinions that we have that most people don't, um, and we'll explain why, and, you know, we'll debate. It'll be a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to seeing, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing the comments Next week, when we have Hef going on with his ridiculous takes, and ridiculous. me and Ryan having more logical takes, but you know that's why we, that's why we love Hef. That's why we love Hef on this podcast. And then the next week, we have another thing that is going to be a lot of fun that we have planned. So we will let you all know what that is next week. But be sure to tune in next week for Survivor Hot Takes podcast. And thank you to everybody for listening tonight. Uh, just if you want, f- please follow us on Twitter. At Soul Survivor at at Soul Survivor Pod, and we also just created an Instagram. Follow us there at Soul Survivor Pod, and be sure to subscribe, comment, and you know like this video because it helps us a lot. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Got nothing else for you. Grab your torches. Head back to camp. Good night. <laughs>